Have you heard about the change happening across the U.S.? Christ followers are realizing there's a financial institution that aligns with their Christian values and switching to Christian Community Credit Union. They're America's number one biblical banking institution committed to advancing the gospel and providing members highly competitive offers, including high-yield checking and CD accounts, a 1.5% cash-back credit card, and more. It's time to bank with your values. Join Christian Community Credit Union today. Learn more at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. Membership eligibility required. Each account is insured up to $250,000. This institution is not federally insured. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Mark 8, 36. I am Rob West. Christian parents should teach their children God's time-tested and true financial principles. But they shouldn't ignore the spiritual principles that accompany wise money management. I'll talk about that first today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, we've talked many times about the importance of teaching your kids biblical financial principles, starting as early as possible. Uh, Today, we'll go over those age-appropriate lessons, along with some spiritual principles that go hand-in-hand. We think that grasping the spiritual principles will make your child more likely to follow the financial. So let's get started. Uh, Maybe as early as age three, and certainly by age five, you can introduce the idea that buying things requires money. That's a simple concept, and it's followed by the idea that you have to earn money, and that means work. The first spiritual lesson that you must teach, then, is that God created everything. Genesis 1-1 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Next, that God owns everything. Psalm 24-1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. And that work is a good thing, a gift from God given to us before the fall of man. Genesis 2.15 tells us the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Also, at this early age, you can begin to teach your children the importance of gratitude and that we should always thank God for his blessings. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 teaches, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, once a child reaches age five or so, you can begin to introduce the basic concept of budgeting. The three-jar method works great for this. Money received from an allowance or birthday or Christmas gifts can be divided equally between jars for saving, spending, and giving. The spiritual principles here are that it's wise to save because we don't know what the future will bring and that we should be generous. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 teaches, Go to the ant, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And of course, Hebrews thirteen sixteen tells us, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 
Okay, when your kids reach 9 or 10, they're ready to learn more about the necessity of earning money and that work itself is a gift from God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You can give them opportunities to do that around the house. If a chore isn't done, the allowance is withheld until it is. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 teaches, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now, from ages 10 to 15, you can expand on the idea of working to earn by giving your kids the chance to earn greater amounts for doing more difficult chores, such as babysitting or mowing the lawn. You can also help them set savings goals. You can even set up a custodial account for them at the bank or set them up on the FaithFi app. The spiritual principle here is fairness. 1 Timothy 5.18 reads, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. In this 10 to 15 range, you can also have children decide on a ministry they'd like to give to. Teach them to tithe to your local church, but let them choose where they'd like to give beyond that. Raising faithful tithers and generous givers, what more could you want as a parent? Deuteronomy 15.10 tells us, You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Now we come to ages 16 to 18. At this stage, children are able to work outside the home and earn more money than they can around the house. So emphasize the importance of sticking to a budget so they can save and meet their goals, which by this time should be for things like a car or saving a certain amount for college. And that brings us to investing. Again, with a custodial account or an app, let teenagers decide which stock or stocks they'd like to buy probably in fractional shares. Proverbs 21.5 teaches the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You want to teach these financial and spiritual principles to your kids at the appropriate times so they're ready to take on the responsibility of managing money on their own and doing it wisely. We'll be right back with your call. Stick around. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. What if your everyday purchases could support biblical causes? With the all-new Cash Rewards Visa Card from Christian Community Credit Union, a portion of every purchase goes to ministries that spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children. Plus, earn unlimited 1.5% cash back. Visit joinchristiancommunity.com. Membership eligibility required. Each account is insured up to $250,000. This institution is not federally insured. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, we're taking your calls and questions today on anything financial. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open here. We'd love to for you to get in on the conversation. Again, 800-525-7000. You can call right now. All right, let's begin today in uh, Centerville, Tennessee. Hi, Debbie. You go right ahead. Hey, thank you. Uh, I have a question about... Um, I have about... Uh, 
an inheritance amount that is just money that I can have fun with. And um, a bank has just offered a debit card grade account for if you do 15 transactions a month, you can earn up to 5% on your money. And I was thinking of starting with 10000 there because my money is sitting at my home bank, which doesn't offer this, um, and making no money, basically. And yeah. so I was just wondering, what are the risks of a debit card? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm comfortable with online banks as long as it has FDIC insurance. So if it's a member of the FDIC, then your deposit is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Even if the institution were to fail, they'll ensure that you have ready access to your money and it's protected. Um, you know, I would probably, before you make that change, go to bankrate.com. That's bankrate.com. Click on the button that says high yield CDs. What you'll find is that there are plenty of banks out there on online banks that are offering anywhere between four and a half and 5% on high yield savings. Um, and many of them offer, you know, no monthly fees, uh, or any kind of requirements for, you know, automatic deposit or even a, a certain number of withdrawals. They may have a minimum deposit balance, but you're going to be able to meet that pretty easily. Um, and so I don't know that you need to go through the hassle of 15 transactions a month in order to get that four and a half to 5% if you're willing to use an online bank. And again, I'm comfortable with that. So that would be my recommendation there. Um, with regard to the money, um, am I seeing my in my notes here that it was an inheritance? Inheritance, is that right? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's, it's, yeah. it's my mad money. I've purchased washer dryer and put some money down on a car. And okay. so I want to have, and yeah, and you know, and, and I'm also thinking of my church as well. Oh, great. Yeah. So if you've got, you know, things already picked out you're going to do with it, then obviously keeping it in a high-yield savings makes a lot of sense. I love the idea of you giving. I love the idea of you taking care of some uh, major purchases that you have. If you want to prioritize some of it for longer-term savings, I would look at getting that into potentially in a retirement account like a Roth IRA, or uh, you could accelerate your, you know, uh, salary deferral into your 401k and use a portion of it to, you know, backfill what you wouldn't be getting in the monthly check from your uh, work uh, from your employer. But uh, if you've got all the money kind of earmarked for certain things, then yeah, keep that right there in the high yield savings. Bankrate.com will help you find the best one, but you don't have to settle for one that requires that kind of uh, transaction activity. Okay. Appreciate the information. Thank you. God bless. All right. Yeah. And you too, Debbie. Thank you for calling today. We appreciate it. Uh, 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Uh, earlier, by the way, uh, we tackled this subject. The title of the uh, episode was Are Online Banks Safe? Uh, we'd love for you to listen to that and uh, maybe that'll give you some of the information you're looking for. Also, we have an article on that same topic. If it's easier, just go to faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. And uh, just go to the content tab and you can do a search for Are Online Banks Safe? I hope that helps you. Uh, again, 800-525-7000. Still a few lines open today. We'd love to hear from you. To Boynton Beach, Florida. Orlando, how can I help you, sir? Hey, Rob. God bless you. Thank you. Um, I got a pro uh, prospect uh, buyer for my house. Um, the price is going to be like 920 and uh, he's proposing um, five 
hundred grand upfront, and uh, the rest uh, to be financed at uh, ten years. Um, okay. And he wants to pay uh, interest only uh, for the ten years. I don't know if that's good or if I can ask him for five years or. So he wants you to finance it for him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, why is that? Why isn't he using traditional financing? I don't know. Probably because the interest I'm giving him like 6%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that I don't like this option. I mean, typically when somebody's looking for owner financing, they're doing it because they can't qualify for traditional financing. Uh, and so they're looking, you know, for you to do it uh, and, and hold the note. Um, I would much rather you just sell him the property and he buys you out in full and then you don't have to worry about a buyer default where he could stop making payments at any time. Uh, and if this happens, they don't just, you know, walk away, then you could end up going through the foreclosure process. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, this could be challenging. Also repair cost. If you take back the property for whatever reason, you might end up having to pay for repairs and maintenance, depending on how well the buyer uh, took care of the property. Um, so I would really caution you against uh, owner financing here and just let, just try to find a buyer, especially because this real estate market is still very strong despite the higher interest rates. Find a buyer who's going to buy you out in full, and if they need financing to do it, let them get their own conventional financing through a, a third-party lender. Because the only thing I like, you know, is that he's giving me 500 upfront, and, you know, I can pay my loan, which I owe about two. Two hundred thousand, and yeah. the rest, you know, to to buy something, you know, for us. But what's the house and, worth? Uh, about that price, nine. Uh, it was nine fifty, but we couldn't sell it at nine fifty. Yeah, so you, I would rather you get nine hundred and fifty thousand, pay off your two hundred two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, and you've got seven fifty. In this case, you're getting five hundred. You'd be left with three hundred. But what's the likelihood you're going to get back the rest of it? And what if he doesn't perform on it because he has bad credit or doesn't have the, uh, you know, the documented income or uh, something happens in his financial life and he just stops paying? And now all of a sudden you're having to initiate foreclosure proceedings against this person. And what condition is the property going to be in? So why not just sell it to somebody who can pay you the full nine hundred and fifty thousand? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yes. I just needed your advice, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, no. And I, and I'm not trying to give you a hard time, but I, I think the key is that we just have to go back to why, why is this the case? Uh, if you, if you were excited about getting the 6% a year, well, what is the risk on that? And I think the risk is a lot higher just given that you really don't know what's going to happen in his financial life. Banks can offset that risk by, you know, the underwriting process, making sure this person is a, is credit worthy and doing a lot of due diligence on it. And then they have a process for foreclosing if they need to, but uh, you know, they're not going to lend the money without a lot of underwriting going into it. And oftentimes when you owner finance, you just don't have that level of scrutiny um, you know, to be able to evaluate this bar and you're highly concentrated. You've got one borrower, they've got hundreds of borrowers. So if one of these deals went, goes south, you know, they're making up for it with, with many, many, many 
others. So I would stay clear of this if it were me, Orlando. Look for a buyer who will pay you the true market value and give you 100% of that money and let you go pay off your loan and then go find that next property. Hey, God bless you, my friend. We appreciate you calling today. I hope that was helpful. We're going to take a quick break. Back with more on Faith and Finance, 800-525-7000. Give us a call. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Sound Mind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. Soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. You know, the purpose of money is not to have more of it. The purpose of money is to accomplish a set of goals that are ultimately informed or should be informed by our values, our values and priorities as believers, as Christ followers, understanding that we should operate with a biblical worldview in every area of our lives, and that certainly includes in our management of God's money, using it as a tool, holding it loosely, saving appropriately, giving generously. Well, we want to apply the themes and uh, principles from Scripture to the daily financial decisions you're making every day on this program, and we do that together. We've got a few lines open. The number to call today, 800 525 All right, uh, let's head to Kansas. Marie, you'll be next on the program. Go right ahead. Uh, my husband and I are both in our 60s. We both are living on a fixed income. Social Security is our income now. Um, and so I want to kind of go over, we have a, a what I, I think is a very nice nest egg. We don't have any children, so and we don't owe any money on anything except for $29,000 left on our property. So I kind of wanted to go over our assets and Great. where we have them at. So we have we we owe twenty nine thousand on our home. Um, our assets are roughly three hundred thousand in a secular managed investment portfolio, about four hundred thousand in annuities, and then our home, which is, sits on ten acres, is valued at eight hundred thousand to a million dollars. And you're living purely on your Social Security. You're not drawing an income from any of these investable assets. Uh, we had to draw an inc- uh, some income from it for the past two years because my husband just turned 65, but he ended up with uh, cancer. So, oh, uh, so because he was on a marketplace uh, insurance plan, it maxed it out. Um, yeah. But is is, is there going to be ongoing expenses related to his medical care? Well, Medicare will cover it now. 
Okay. Oh, right. Now that he's 65. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, I would agree. I mean, you all are in, in pretty good shape here in that you're living modestly. So your social security is covering your income needs. You've got no debt except for this home and that'll be paid off probably in a relatively short amount of time. You, if you wanted to, you could go ahead and pay it off right now. And then you've got this 300,000 in uh, investments and then the $400,000 annuity. Is that a fixed annuity growing at a fixed rate? Uh, yeah. I have I have it spread into three different annuities, and I believe one a part of one of the annuities is fixed. Okay, and the but, others are variable. Correct. Okay, yeah, so that's great, and then uh, you could annuitize it, that at some point if you wanted to. Um, and then, what were you thinking? You mentioned a gold IRA, which, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, basically that's just an IRA that allows you to hold gold in it uh, and still keep it inside that uh, IRA uh, bucket, if you will. But what were you thinking of putting into gold out of this uh, roughly seven hundred thousand in investments? Well, I was thinking a third, but I'm not sure where to go with that. And then the, the, about paying off the home, uh, doing some math, uh, I think it would push us up into a higher tax bracket if we didn't if we paid it off right now, because okay. we'd have to take out probably double what we still owe because of the hit of, of taxes from the government. Yeah. Um, where okay. if we paid it off just monthly, I don't think it pushes us up into a higher tax bracket, but. The, the gold-backed IRA, I was thinking about a third of what our assets are. Yeah. Well, that would be a little higher than I would recommend. I heard you mention digital currencies, and I can understand your concern there. I'm not a fan of that either. I think that would give the government too much insight and potential control over our transactions. Uh, but for that reason, there's a, that's going to be very uh, hotly debated uh, in Congress because this is not something the executive branch can do. It's not something, uh, you know, the Treasury or the Fed could do acting on their own. It would require an act of Congress, which is responsible for coinage. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, congressional leaders that have uh, significant concerns about this, which is why I think if it were ever to come to pass, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while because uh, we haven't even started. You know, uh, China started back in, I think it was 2019, and they're still in the beta phase right now, may even, have even been 2016. So, um, you know, we're still the strongest economy in the world. Yes, we have our challenges, but there's really nobody close to us. I mean, China's having real problems economically. In terms of a replacement for the U.S. dollar, there's not a really viable alternative there either. I mean, 60% of the, girl, the world's uh, reserve are held in U.S. dollars. 90% of the trades are happening in U.S. dollars. So I don't think there's a, a real threat there anytime soon. I think any potential threat, you know, economically, a debt crisis or a replacement for the world's reserve currency, something like that, a major economic calamity, it's much further down the road. Um, and so I wouldn't be making, if it were me, and you're the steward, you've got to make those decisions. And I certainly respect that and, and would say that you need to make those prayerfully. But for me, I think the best approach is still a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio. Uh, you know, at, at your age, uh, with you all in your 60s, um, you know, I'd probably be thinking about maybe 10% in, in gold and precious metals, uh, maybe 35% in stocks, and then about 55% 
than bonds. And bonds will do well as the interest rates fall, which they will probably starting next year. So that's just me. I think a third in gold is just too overweighted. Gold doesn't have the performance uh, from the as well as the stock, properly diversified stock and bond portfolio. It doesn't pay any income. And if you're taking physical possession, you've got the kind of dealer markups on the buy and the sell. So I like gold, but I'd probably limit your allocation to 10%. I'd probably do it through an exchange traded fund, which just tracks the price of gold. And then you don't even need the gold IRA. You could do that in a, in a traditional brokerage account, or your advisor could do that who's managing the 300,000. Does that make sense? Well, uh, you know, with the recent bank failures and, and because the federal government is exponentially raising the debt so high, it makes me wonder if the FDIC can't, will default on their promise to insure up to 250000 per person per institution. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. I mean, what you saw with those bank failures were isolated events uh, brought on by mismanagement. Uh, there's not any widespread problems or systemic problems. I mean, we're in much better shape now than we were in 2008 and 2009, where there were some real systemic issues with regard to lending practices. The bank reserves are much higher today. You know, I realize there are some real challenges that we need to deal with longer term, but none of those are imminent in my view. And, and again, I think that's why if, if there was real problems, you would have seen a cascading effect in the banks. And what happened was it was isolated and we moved beyond it. And all the stress tests are coming out exactly where they need to as they run those on all the banks. So I I just don't see that happening. Uh, Again, I don't know the future. uh, So I think at the end of the day, you need to be comfortable with the direction you're going. But I'd much prefer for you to protect and grow your money for you not to be in gold uh, uh, more than, you know, at at the level you're talking. I think uh, stocks and bonds would be and banking products are a better option. Thank you. All right. Take care. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.